The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. But let's start with what's happened in Joburg today because we have had the State of the City address from the Joburg Mayor. Do you know who he is this month? Cabello Guamanda delivering his first State of the City address. He's been speaking about our budget, how he hopes that uh, every step uh, should be taken to ensure that every rand in the budget is utilised effectively, saying without a financially sound city, we won't be able to deliver basic services to our residents. He's admitted that there is ageing infrastructure. He's spoken about water shortages. Did you watch Cabello Guamanda today? I must say he looked completely out of his depth. I'm not sure if he was overwhelmed, if he hadn't seen his speech, if he was just nervous. Uh, There was a lot of giggling. He looked very awkward. Maybe I'm being unfair. Let me know what you think. But if you were in doubt about this mayor being in charge of the city, I think the address would probably have pushed you over the edge. Have a listen. After, after consistent denial of the true state of affairs by the multi-party government, this government of local unity approved the short-term loan facility to begin to clear the unpaid invoices. And the reality is that without, financially, without a financially sound city, we will not be able to invest as required in our core municipal mandate of service delivery and the delivering of basic services. Ensuring the, the security and electricity and water supply, efficient road infrastructure, and the many other service delivery mandates that demand immediate attention. That's just a small section of the Joburg Mayor Kabila Gwamanda's State of the City address. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, uh, watching that for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, let's first speak about the content of the mayor's speech. What were some of the key issues that uh, he raised about the state of the city of Joburg? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, Joburg Mayor Kabila Gwamanda today prioritized electricity, actually, in his speech. He did mention that uh, currently... The municipality is getting 87% of its electricity from ESCOM and is getting about 13% of the remainder of the electricity from a private power plant, which is the Kelvin uh, Power Station. And it did say that the city will be extending the contract with Kelvin Power Station for another three years just to reduce the reliance of ESCOM on, on, on uh, providing electricity to the city of Johannesburg. But it also did mention that they want to increase uh, uh, the percentage of electricity that is provided by the uh, uh, Kelvin power plant so that uh, they mitigate the effects of the rolling power cuts uh, as per uh, the ESCOM schedule. It also did speak about water, Mandy. We do know that the city of Johannesburg has been plagued by poor infrastructure when it comes to water. I mean, over the past year, Mandy, water levels at reservoirs have been low while infrastructure has been breaking down, while power outages have also been affecting water supply. Did mention that the city will be investing money uh, over this financial year uh, to ensure that infrastructure is improved and power outages don't uh, affect the supply of water to residents. But what I do feel like, Mandy, is that he did not really delve deep into how exactly the city will mm. be carrying out this mandate. He 
was just really on the surface. Uh, but one can only hope that maybe during the budget speech, the finance minister will go deeper right. into how exactly these funds will be used. Alpha, I've already spoken about my impressions of uh, Kabila Gwamanda today. I felt like he didn't have a real grasp on the issues that he hadn't even read the speech before. He seemed out of his depth. What was the reaction like in the chamber? Well, of course, from the government of local unity, which is the ANC and EFF, they applauded him, uh, gave him a round of applause immediately after his speech. But from the opposition, uh, throughout the whole speech, they were showing their discontent and, uh, with, with, with the speech provided by uh, the Mayor Gabriel Kwamanda. From my own conversations with some of the parties, there's been mixed reactions on what he had to say. The Action SA, for one, uh, is saying that his speech was uh, on the surface and didn't really go deep into what is affecting the city and how exactly they plan to uh, uh, solve some of their issues here. But for mm. instance, revenue collection, it didn't really give uh, a detail as to how the city will collect revenue because we do know that the city has been flagged as uh, a city that is not making money, it's only using yep. money. And that's why it, it you know, had some of uh, the toughest times when it comes to handling their finances. Alpha, thank you very much. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, who was listening to the Joburg Mayor Kabila Gomanda delivering his State of the City address. Uh, Alpha mentioning Action SA there. Well, Action SA wants to table a motion of no confidence in the mayor if he doesn't clarify details surrounding those criminal allegations that have been leveled against him. Remember, the DA's Mpo Palazzi accused him of being implicated in a Ponzi scheme. Funzi Ngubeni is the Action SA regional leader. Funzi, good afternoon to you. Firstly, what were your impressions of the Mayor's State of the City address today? I'm India, and uh, good afternoon to your listeners. I think the, the young people out there, they will say it was not make sure. Um, it was a weak speech. I think uh, the Mayor, um, we, we can uh, forgive him and say it's a maiden speech and he's still learning the ropes. But um, it was lacking in detail. He was not inspiring any confidence. I think uh, in some areas he was giggling, you know, showing some playfulness and, and uh, you know, I, I think that really, you know, we can't expect from a mayor. But uh, look, I mean, uh, we'll respond tomorrow in terms of uh, our debate. Uh, uh, but again, he failed to take an opportunity uh, presented to him to clear his name uh, in regards to the allegations that have been um, uh, leveled against him. Uh, a lost opportunity uh, for him, uh, Mendy. Um, but yeah, as actually say, we have already indicated that we will weigh our options. Will speak to other coalition partners, and uh, and um, the fact that he has um, he has allowed this opportunity to go by, it means mm. that we'll have to really um, start engaging on the next step that we must take. Gwamanda mentioning today that uh, these various coalitions and the upheaval in the city, the change of of regime, has had an impact on the running of the city. Are you concerned that if you do level a motion of no confidence against him, we'll see yet another change and in more instability? Yeah, look, I mean, um, uh, essentially, Mendy, we should not, uh, you know, shy in holding uh, our mayors, our executive mayors accountable. Uh, I think uh, uh, the instability is uh, it's really caused by, you know, a lack of identifying the right candidate by the coalition that is uh, that is the ANC and the EFF. I think on the other side, you know, they've got capable people within themselves 
we have from time to time called on them to sit around the table and identify someone who's capable who can be able to lead the city. Um, you know, on, on, on various occasions, they've given us people who lack in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the knowledge of running the city and of uh, knowing exactly what uh, the vision of the city is. So, you know, it, it, it will be from their side, but uh, we, must, uh, we must be able to put the interest of the residents uh, ahead of anything because uh, that is, uh, at the end of the day, what is important. Funzi, thank you very much. Funzi Ngubeni, Action SA Regional Leader. Did you watch the uh, the mayor delivering his State of the City address? Uh, maybe I'm being unfair. Uh, it is his first one. He is very inexperienced, perhaps, with public speaking, but my impression was that he very much seemed out of his depth, and most people on Twitter, at least, agreeing with me. Mafika saying he was just reading what's presented to him. Pity his handlers didn't allow him to rehearse. Uh, Daijan saying, proudly delivered by your beloved ANC. All of this feeding into the narrative, of course, uh, that he is very much a puppet mayor. Paul Berkowitz saying this ANC EFF coalition is running Joburg into the ground. The, MA, the mayor has been MIA for community engagements on the budget and service delivery is in tatters. Aubrey saying, true, I'm almost falling asleep. He doesn't inspire confidence at all. What a shame. Reaction there to the mayor. That is uh, the mayor, of course, this month. Kabela uh, Guamanda delivering his State of the City address. The Midday Report. The Department of Water and Sanitation today releasing a much-anticipated report on the state of drinking water quality in the country. It's called the Interim Blue Drop Water Report. And this, of course, is important right now because it comes amidst that cholera outbreak in the country. We've had hundreds of confirmed cases, uh, specifically around the Hamant Kral area. Uh, the DWS using that Blue Drop certification program to measure all aspects of safe water provision in South Africa. The minister, Senzo Nkuno, releasing that report earlier, he spoke about the cholera outbreak uh, and he's been talking about how the source of that cholera outbreak, we still don't know what it is. Have a listen to what he had to say. Cholera. I must express our very, very deep concern as the Department of Sanitation. This concern is whether our water was safe or is safe where it is broken or where it is a, uh, where there is an outbreak thereof. The fact remains that cholera is a bacterial disease usually spread through contaminated water. And for that fact, we need to concern ourselves with ensuring that municipalities fulfill their obligations that is to deliver clean, safe water and healthy environment through sanitation services. That is Senzo Mkunu, the Water Affairs Minister, releasing the Blue Drop Water Report, EWN reporter Tabiso Goba, listening in to that for us. Tabiso, good afternoon to you. The nub of this really is the Water Affairs Minister saying, we've told the cities and the councils what to do, but they don't seem to be listening, right? Yes, 100%, Mandy. And, you know, um, there's, there's obviously a lot of stats um, that were drawn uh, to us here in terms of our numbers. But I will say that, you know, one of the most concerning um, stats that we do have uh, from this interim blue drop report is that 50% of uh, municipalities, uh, Mandy, in South Africa have um, poor micro- microbiological water quality. Um, and that is up from uh, in 2012 when the last blue 
drop reports, and it was just twenty. Uh, it was just at ten percent. So in between that year, the the situation has deteriorated. It has actually gotten worse, and um, there was obviously a, a very much a concern uh, for the officials here. Now, uh, as you said, Mandy, um, in terms of interventions, the the National Water Department is very limited in terms of can intervene. Um, so they do issue non-compliance notices, but um, as, we've, uh, as we've seen um, that you know, municipalities can just ignore that uh, and just not you know, comply. So the municipality is actually, or the National Water Department is actually looking at some legislative uh, amendments that would much make it uh, a bit more easier and have more consequences. Uh, for municipalities that don't that do not comply, because this is obviously a very very serious, um, very very serious issue. Tabiso, thank you very much. Uh, Tabiso Goba, EWN reporter. Apologies for the quality of that line, but important there. The uh, Minister Senzo Mkunu releasing that interim blue drop water report, giving us an indication of the quality of water or lack thereof in the country. The Midday Report. News breaking last night, uh, shocking news in fact, that the former energy minister, Tina Jumat Peterson, had passed away at the age of 59. She came, of course, from the Northern Cape. She had a long history in the ANC. Uh, there were controversies. I think it's safe to say that she was implicated in some major scandals during her tenure as the energy minister. One of those, of course, was the sale of oil stocks in the country. It was a matter that, in fact, went to court. And then, of course, uh, the attempt to acquire nuclear power for South Africa as well. Most recently, and, and when I say most recently, I mean yesterday morning on the front page of newspapers, there was a further scandal around allegations that she had been involved in in an attempt to extort to, to, to get bribes uh, around the suspended public protector's uh, inquiry into her fitness to hold office. Uh, joining me in studio now, Sidi Madia, EWN's Associate Politics Editor. And Sidi, you did the very, I think pretty much the very last interview that Tina Jumat Peterson actually did. We played it on this show and it was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, I think I did one of the last interviews she did. Um, and it was weird how she went to such great lengths for that sit down. You know, she traveled all the way to Joburg, came to do the interview and left. She was so desperate to be heard. And I remember saying to her, you can wait. I'm traveling abroad, but I'll be back. And she said, no, I need you to sit down and talk to me now. It was, of course, after the Parliament's Ethics Committee mm. had cleared of any wrongdoing as far as the nuclear uh, deal that went sour. Because she had got this, concerned. we were just uh, joking now, but she had developed this nickname nuclear tina or atomic tina and she very much wanted to clear her name around that absolutely she was quite desperate mandy for something to be done with regards to her name i want you to listen to part of the conversation as to the reason why it was a difficult conversation because in hindsight i realized why it was so important for her to talk to us take a listen it tainted my name as i said i repeat my name was dragged through the mud that is why i stayed to clear my name It's only about my name. My children carry my name. It's about their legacy. For my grandchildren and my children. If you go online and you look at any digital platform, the digital footprint that I have is one of being corrupt. And it will stay there even if I pass away. So is there a need for you now to try and clean your name? Is that what you're attempting to do now, this conversation? Is that it? I just want to set the record straight. And I want my side of the story. 
to be heard because even though I haven't been found guilty through a court of law, I remain guilty. And um, they, I actually have no future. I have no future. I haven't had any future for a long time. I haven't had much of a life because nationally and internationally, nobody's prepared to do business with you. Nobody's prepared to do business or anything with a corrupt individual. Sure, Tiddy, listening to that, it's actually quite ominous. Like she was foreshadowing what was to come in the future. And then, of course, we had the scandal that now broke. There were the WhatsApp messages around uh, alleged attempts to try and extort a bribe from the suspended public protector's husband. Now, it hasn't been reported, but there is a lot of speculation on social media, uh, a lot of rumor, a lot of, of speculation mm. around how Tina Jumat Peterson died and calls for investigations and all sorts of things. Mm. So the ANC is refusing to comment, leaving it to the family, of course, to speak to it. Speculation is that it was a death by suicide that we're hearing, possibly an overdose from what I heard. And what you are hearing, because of these allegations of trying to extort money around the public protector's um, inquiry, some who are aligned to the public protector have been saying that they believe there's more to it they need an investigation um, suggesting that there could have been a poisoning but Mandy I go back to that interview um, that we just listened to I think Tina Joma Peterson hadn't been in a good space for a really long time I also struggle even with the allegations mind you because she was so desperate to clear her name so I was I struggle to reconcile how somebody was so desperate to change the narrative about who they are versus the allegations. Um, because some, some are saying, but why did she not stick it out to clear her name, if that is the case? A lot of people have also said to me overnight that she was in an incredibly fragile space, that she had been um, dealing and struggling with depression. Then when she came for that interview, she was not in a great space anyway. And she kind of spoke to that, that interview, when I played it back, I also, as you said, was ominous. It was really quite, um, was quite tragic listen to it that she actually was in a space that she was in and Lindsay and I spoke about it saying it was almost like a premonition that interview of what's to come. Uh, the president has put out a statement, the ANC has also put out a statement uh, mourning her death we were hoping to speak to Nomvula Mokonyani uh, to pay tribute uh, to uh, Tina Jomat Peterson, the Deputy ANC Secretary General. How is the ANC, how is the president uh, remembering her and her contribution? I think what's been interesting is for people's how Tina Jomat's been remembered. You know, a lot of people saying that the country's at a loss, that here's somebody who's made a lot of contributions to parliament where she was the chairperson of the subcommittee on police, uh, her role over the years in cabinet. Of course, outsiders are like, but we remember the issue of the nuclear deal, the oil reserves, issues around travel gates. So a lot of people saying they remember her for controversies. In fact, what was also very interesting, I'll come back to the present, was seeing Selby Bukaba, who is a spokesperson of the mm-hmm. city of Tuani saying that he believed the allegations around bribery um, involving the public protector, that there were things around Iqbal Serve and Tina Jomat and the Guptas that never came out. But of course, the backlash to Selby Bukaba was, but if you knew all these things, why did you not take them to the Zondo Commission? Why did you not report these things, these wrongdoings that you say you believed? You know, he spoke about how she made his life a living hell. But for the most part, including people like John Stiernes and spoke about how she really did have a difficult time but that she did contribute not only to democracy and the ANC saying that you know she was a pioneer she was one of the youngest MECs when she came um when she came into the political scene during the tenure 
of former President Nelson Mandela. So um, I think so, a complex character with complex mm. memories and a legacy left behind. And a degree of compassion required as well for her family uh, when mm. somebody does leave a complex legacy like that. Tiri Madia, thank you very much for coming in and bringing us uh, that audio, the last interview uh, done with Tina Jumat-Peterson. The Midday Report. Some good news that came out today. Our economy averted a technical recession again. Stats SA announcing economic growth of 0.4% in the first quarter of the year. And it was expected that maybe it wouldn't be so good because of the considerable load shedding that we have had uh, in the first quarter and throughout the entire year. Eight industries recording growth uh, in Q1. Manufacturing and finance were the largest. We did, of course, see a big impact from load shedding. Rasenga Maraleke is the Statistician General. He joins us now. Statistician General, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, 0.4% growth in Q1. What does the data tell us? Uh, Mandy, let me greet you and greet uh, the 702 listeners. But specifically, let me go to what drove the uh, 0.4% in the first quarter. It's largely in manufacturing as well as in finance and uh, real estate. Of course, we had other industries like personal services, trade, as well as uh, uh, transport that contributed. But these two, manufacturing and finance, uh, contributed the most. And what actually happened in manufacturing? In manufacturing, we saw food and beverages uh, contributing a lot uh, into this uh, uh, strong show. Whereas in uh, finance, we have seen that financial intermediation, insurance, pension funding, as well as real estate and business services uh, showed a strong uh, uh, Mm -hmm. contribution. Agriculture was really, really concerning. It dragged what you call the primary sector down. Why was that? Uh, Well, let us look at agriculture. It was largely due to output of field crops and animal products. They are the ones that, uh, uh, one, contributed more in the negative, but also in terms of growth. The growth of agriculture uh, went on a slump, so it decreased by 12.3%. And the impact of load shedding, we were concerned it was going to be considerable. Uh, There has been uh, considerable load shedding. What kind of impact did it have on the economy? We don't measure impact directly, uh, uh, Mendy, but let us look at the area of uh, utilities, that is electricity, gas, and water. Uh, We see that it decreased by 1%, but that decrease was largely driven by... uh, um, uh, decreases in the consumption of electricity and water. And of course, when there is uh, load shedding, there is nothing to consume. But also water relies on electricity, especially bulk water movement supply, relies on electricity to reach out to households and as also reach out to industries. But of course, if you look at uh, manufacturing, for example, the fact that food and beverages are the ones that uh, contributed the most in the growth. Uh, you don't see uh, metal, uh, metal products as well as machinery and equipment, manufacturing of machinery and equipment 
because they are dependent on uh, uh, electricity. Statistician General, thank you so much. As always, Rusenga Maluleke speaking to us there about uh, the fourth, uh, quor- the first quarter, apologies, uh, showing a growth of 0.4%. It means that we do avoid a technical recession. Some encouraging news. If you look at what's been happening with the RAND, if you look at interest rates, uh, you look at inflation, it is a little bit of good news in the finance sector. The Midday Report. A memorial service is underway at the moment for uh, our former colleague, the late broadcaster and author Eusebius Makaiser, a week after he suddenly died from a suspected epileptic uh, seizure. There have been many tributes that have been paid to the political analyst and the Times Live columnist. They've come from close friends, they've come from fans, they've come from uh, from colleagues as well. Uh, we're going to play you a little bit of what Makudu Safara, the Times Live editor, had to say about you. CBS Makaiser, but earlier on today. So, thank you. Maybe, maybe, maybe just one last thing. So, <clears throat> you know, UCBS is one of those very talented, and obviously, you know, he's not an analyst who will come free. So, so he negotiates, negotiates, gets the best deal. Then you use him, and then he writes a masterpiece. Uh, you look at it, and you're like, Jews. This is, this is really good for our, for our subscribers. And he says, um, Mr. Editor, I've dropped you a thing. Uh, let me give you a call. Yeah, what's up? Um, can we make that piece free? <laughs> Say, you know, can we not pay you at the end of the month? <laughs> no, you know, but, but, but then it becomes a negotiating thing, you know, so... Uh, how much of what he writes that you know uh, must be free and you know and and he wanted as many people as it is possible to get access to his content and at the same time we wanted many people to look at his content and say we want to subscribe so that we can get access to this content and and then he'd say there's a thing called tick strategy only serious think of a tick strategy you know so um you know uh, let's say uh, let's Let's get them used to the quality, and once they get used to the quality, and then we put it behind. <sighs> yeah. So he, he really was an intellectual rock star. Um, as an editor, I look at what we're doing today, and I'm, I think he was our plan. Uh, and as the MD had already said, there's so many things we wanted to do with him that, that we're not going to be able to do. And there isn't anyone in the country or anywhere that we're going to find to replace Eusebius. He's not replaceable. He's, he's just, you can find bits and pieces elsewhere in many different people, but you're not going to find what he brought to the table as an individual. And for that, we are grateful to the family. We are grateful to, the, um, uh, to his partner, to the friends and everyone uh, for the time that, uh, that that, that we had um, him contributing to our platforms um, and him enriching our country was a true patriot, not the ANC and DA defined patriots, but a true patriot because he wanted what was good for the country. 
one of the many beautiful tributes being paid to Eusebius Makaiser, that by Makudu Safara, the Times Live editor, who was uh, his editor at the time of his passing. That memorial is currently uh, underway. It's at the Empire Venue in Parktown. It is being live streamed on YouTube. If you do want to watch it, uh, you can watch that memorial service for Eusebius Makaiser on YouTube. The Midday Report. Two big developments this morning. Uh, UNISA suspended its registrar, Professor Stuart Mortata, for serious breaches of policy and acts of misconduct. The registrar accused of serious allegations in relation to the abuse of his office. Unclear exactly what, uh, which, what his actions were that led to his suspension. So that was the one development. The other was news that Leonard Ramatlakane has been fired as a board member and chairperson of the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa, PRASA, the Department of Transport, confirming that today. Last week, there were reports in News 24 that, uh, quoting internal sources, that the Transport Minister had d- dismissed Ramatlakana from the board last month because of the unauthorized use of a luxury residential property. This property in Newlands, in Cape Town, uh, as I understand it, was supposed to be used by PRASA executives. They realized that it would cost them less money. Um, for for the executives to stay in this property than actually staying in hotels. But it looks like Ramatakane moved his family in and threw a big party. Colin Msibi is the Department of Transport spokesperson. Colin, good afternoon to you. Uh, Firstly, confirmation uh, that Leonard Ramatakane has in fact been fired. Yes, indeed. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity. We can confirm that uh, he has been relieved of his duties. And that's obviously following the investigations that were done and the report was forwarded to the minister. So that decision has been made. Indeed. And what do we know about why he was fired? What are you able to say? Well, I think the, the, your, your summary captures it except for the party part of it. But I think it was indeed the use of the property without following the proper procedures. So, but what we also do know in terms of the investigation is that uh, the, 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 the rent that he was paying is not market related. So it was at a discounted rate. So that is another issue. But that issue, we leave it to the entity to recover if there's any cost recovery that has been made. We understand this morning that there's been some money that he has paid already back to, 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 to the entity. Was there a process in which he could make representations, where he could argue his case? How, how did this unfold? Well, of course, I think uh, you are quite correct. The, 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 this process started last week where the minister had made the decision, but he had to be given an opportunity to, 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 to plead his case. Uh, and I think even before that, I'm not privy to what happened before the, the last week process. So, so there was, of course, a, a fair process where he was given an opportunity to state his case. So the, the, this decision, I think it was amicable, uh, and, and hence, uh, I mean, when, you, when you, you, you embark on such an issue, I think it was an error of judgment from his part, uh, is what I understand from, from my side. But there is consequences at the end, and, and these are the consequences that we see now. Uh, Colin, we know that Prasa is in a rebuilding phase. Uh, we know that its revenues plummeted. There was massive looting of its infrastructure across the country. How concerned are you or is the minister about uh, continuity and stability at Prasa now that uh, it is without a chair? 
Look, I think we're on course. The statement does say that we are quite satisfied with the, uh, the recovery of the rail lines. As you know, during the uh, lockdown, we, we lost a lot of uh, rail infrastructure. But under his watch, and of course working with the board and the executives, uh, the management of Prasa, we've been able to recover about 13 rail lines uh, out of 10 that were forecast by the, the entity. So, so far... There's already 13 that have been recovered. So we're quite confident uh, uh, with the CEO, CEO at the helm that uh, we will continue on the same trajectory. Uh, there is a plan in place, so which we, our focus is going to be the plan, the, the rail recovery the program. So we want to see that it is achieved. So it is on, uh, at the, 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 what you call the, 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 um, uh, the mandate of uh, the, the PRASA uh, management and the board to ensure that uh, that particular program is achieved. Colin, thank you very much. Colin Msibi, the Department of Transport spokesperson, speaking to us there, uh, confirming that Leonard Ramatlakane has been fired as the chairperson of PRASA, the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa. It all had to do with his property in Newlands. Uh, as I explained earlier, he moved his family in uh, while it was his own residence was undergoing uh, renovations and that wasn't allowed. So he has to he has to suffer the consequences of that. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.